You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Good. We uh, woke up champions. I wake up a champion every day. Oh, wow. That must be nice. Well, it's kind of overrated. I'm not really telling the truth. Um, I'm the champion of, of hyperbole. Um, but, uh, Jimmy, yes, we are SEC champions. By the way, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. I'll talk about them in just a bit. But, uh, man, a lot to digest. There has been so incredibly much happen in the last few days. I mean, forget the SEC championship just for a second. Uh, forget that Alabama somehow lost to Western Kentucky in the most Alabama way possible in basketball. And frankly, I'm not talking about basketball day because that pissed me off and I'm in a good mood. Uh, not only is Tennessee apparently under the gun of the NCAA, but uh, I'll just go back to it. We won the SEC championship. So it's made a complete 360 and uh, it was a brilliant game. It was a lot of fun to watch. I wish it hadn't been quite so tight at the end. But overall, Jimmy, man, that game had so much in it that it just kept you watching until the very end, and I absolutely loved every minute. Yeah, playmakers all over the field. As we know, Alabama has probably the best playmaking offense we've ever had in school history, which is saying a lot just based on, you know, the comparisons to even the most recent of seasons. But – uh it's the best playmaking offense uh, Alabama's had in my lifetime between having a Heisman-worthy quarterback, a Heisman-worthy running back, a Heisman-worthy wide receiver, all playing behind the best offensive line in college football, coordinated by the best offensive coordinator in college football. So you add all that up, and uh, yeah, you're pretty good on offense. And it's been amazing to watch, and it's no doubt led Alabama to the playoff once again as the number one seed once again kind of crazy and uh, you know and with with Alabama's history that this is all happening behind the strength of an offense and the defense remains questionable I think a lot of the gains that were made over the course of the season on defense were sort of lost last night is that because Alabama's bad is that because Florida's great probably a little bit of both you know a little disconcerting to watch Alabama give up well over 400 yards all those points and to have a game that Alabama played that well offensively scoring 52 points to have it be close and 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 be anxious at the end uh sort of an indictment on the defense but uh we're in the playoff and uh favored by 17 or 18 points to win the next game and let's uh get to that one and try to beat Notre Dame and play for national championship see what happens yeah, that's right. We will be playing Notre Dame. We'll talk about that extensively uh, coming up this week and the following week. Uh, you know, w- depends a little bit on our Christmas schedule, but we'll work all that out. Jimmy, I have to ask you this. All right, Jimmy, if betonline.ag had a spread, and we encourage everybody to go to betonline.ag, if we encourage everybody to do that, um, if they had a spread, I want to know what would have been more improbable to you that Najee Harris would be the MVP out of everybody and score five touchdowns, that John Mechie would cause a turnover, 
or that Xavier Williams would actually make a catch in a game that means something, or that four Alabama players didn't recover that fumble that happened. <laughs> all of those things are pretty improbable. I guess I'm less surprised of all of it by Najee being MVP of the game because it wasn't the first time all year that Najee had been the most valuable player in the game. I, I think with all the Heisman hype Mac and Devontae had been getting, it was easy to sort of forget how good Najee is, but he really is. I mean, this is a heck of a statement, but it's totally true. Najee Harris is one of the greatest running backs to ever play football at Alabama. And uh, I fully realize the size of that statement, but it's totally true. Najee is a complete back. He's tough. He's a playmaker. He has great hands. He's a leader. He's great on camera. Uh, he just checks every box. And what I love about Najee the most, what I appreciate as a fan, here's a kid that showed up with a lot of hype, and he actually worked hard. He worked hard every year because every single year Najee has been better than he was the year before. And that comes from just hard work. And uh, for a kid to show up a, a six-star like he was in the recruiting process to show up and be one of the hardest workers on the team. That's, that's incredible. So very happy for him. The Mechie hit could go down in George Teague level lore in Alabama's postseason play. Mechie's hit was unbelievable. And not only was it an unbelievable play, it directly helped win the game. We have to remember we only won this game by one score. So every single touchdown helped Mechie's play helped Alabama score because that was going to be an empty offensive possession without it. And an empty possession last night could have led to a loss. So big-time play by a big-time player. I think I'll have to go back and watch the tape again today, and I look forward to doing that, Luke. I think the Xavier Williams catch, I'm guessing without knowing that the normal receiver, probably Mechie, was supposed to be in and just had to sit out for one play maybe over some sort of equipment thing or, or, or he got dinged up and had to sit out a couple of plays. Because I don't think that was a – put it this way, Xavier Williams didn't play a lot. He didn't play a lot in the first half or the second half. He was just out there for that, that one play. That just sort of indicates to me that, uh, that he was out there due to a, a brief injury or equipment malfunction or something along those lines. Let me tell everybody really quickly about uh, betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is where you want to go to sign up. Use promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. There's only one place that, as you covered, and one place that we trust is the Locked On Network, and that's betonline.ag. We are ready for some football. Of course, college football heading into bowl season. Uh, there's some big matchups coming up in the NFL uh, very shortly. There are right now as we're talking. Um, the NFL regular season, of course, is finishing up. And so that's going to be a big deal. There's the uh, NFL games of the week, college football type games. Uh, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sports book experts visit our good friends and exclusive partner at bet online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business use promo code locked on 
while you're while you're there go ahead and grab yourself a Coors Light get signed up Coors Light is the beer made to chill you can chill out put a couple of wagers on uh, your favorite football game or play some poker or some blackjack, whatever you want to do, but have a cold Coors Light there right beside you so you can enjoy and relax. Coors Light is the beer made to chill. And Lord knows I downed me some Coors Lights last night watching that SEC championship as things got tight as a tick on Matilda last night towards the end of the game. But Coors Light helped take the edge off. Absolutely delicious. The silver bullet keeps werewolves away. As I've said, I'm the only one that claims that because, frankly, I've not seen a werewolf around me when I've had the silver bullet. So, I mean, I feel pretty confident. That's science, That's science right there. Huh? Just use That's... science to prove a point. Yeah. People may call it specious reasoning. I call them facts. Coors Light is the beer made to chill. Celebrate responsibly as brewed right there in Golden, Colorado in the beautiful USA. So go check them out, CoorsLight.com. We appreciate their sponsorship. Okay, Jimmy, um, a few other things I want to run over here from this game. Uh, and again, look, you can get all the regular hoopla statistical stuff you want from uh, ESPN.com or wherever you want to go. But um, it, it, let me ask a few questions that I thought of that are a little bit irregular probably. Jaleel Billingsley on kickoff returns. What the hell is that? Hate it. Hate it. I'm going to blame Jeff Banks just simply because that's his position and he's in charge of it, although ultimately Nick Saban is really in charge of that sort of thing because he's in charge of all personnel. But uh, I hate it. I don't understand it. It makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. And I'm saying all this, by the way, as a huge fan of Jaleel Billingsley. I think Billingsley's awesome. I hope he next year is a central focus of the offense and that we learn to use him similarly as to how Florida uses Kyle Pitts, which is the ultimate compliment. But Pitts doesn't return kicks. I don't understand why you'd have someone returning kicks who's so easy to hit. He's a big target. Uh, he is not used to carrying the ball in high-leverage situations. I, I don't understand why we wouldn't have a faster player. I, as a matter of fact, to be completely honest, as crazy as it sounds, I'd be less critical if we used Devontae Smith returning the kicks just no, simply because Devontae gives us a real chance to score. I was constantly worried Billingsley was going to turn the ball over. I, I, I'd I, I think it was just inexplicable. I do not get it, uh, and uh, I'm glad that it didn't blow up in her face. I, I thought it. I'm the same way. At, at first, I thought, okay, we're we're going to plan for some kind of trick here, and I don't know what the trick would be. I mean, unless he was a high school quarterback, I don't know about. Um, I found that to be just quite puzzling. I just didn't understand it all, especially when this year doesn't count. So you, it's not like you're ripping the red shirt off of somebody, and if you're going to try something new, put Jones Bell or Javon Baker or anybody back there that has speed that, uh, you know, it maybe has a more penchant for a, the return game. I can't imagine Jaleel Billingsley was even much of a returner in high school. I mean, I, maybe he was. In right. Illinois, maybe he's such a freak that he was. I mean, it could be. But I just found that to be quite puzzling. I think that would be one of the first questions I would have for the Alabama coaching staff is it's, it's what the heck is that all about? Um, and, again, just – carrying on with some random questions Slade Bolden returns and I thought he made some really nice catches and here's another thing um obviously this was a, a Heisman Bowl if you would I mean there are four Heisman legit four Heisman candidates and I could make the argument there are really five because Kadarius Tony is a dog 
Kadarius Tony is yeah. a super badass, and I wish we had recruited him out of Mobile. I said that a long time ago, and so did you. But um, that's neither here nor there now. I would say that I think Mac Jones may have won the Heisman here, and the reason is um, his best throws were to people who weren't Devontae Smith. His best throw, one of his best throws was to Slade Bolden that he just put in a window. One of his best throws was to Jaleel Billingsley that he just put in a tight space. Um, I, I thought his best plays were to guys that weren't Devontae. And even though Devonta, uh, Devontae had um, uh, a couple of touchdowns and did, uh, you know, 100 and whatever yards, I mean, he just kicked ass. And I could still see people voting for him. Um, I think it's going to be less of an issue of people splitting Devontae and Matt Jones now, and maybe more people splitting Najee Harris and Devontae. And I think that'll push Matt Jones over the top. Well, it's hard to imagine last night not improving uh, Mac's situation with the Heisman. To me, it was hard to imagine not improving Devontae, not improving Najee, to some extent not improving Kyle Trask, I thought played really well as he normally does, particularly in the second half. But, uh, you know, my, my concern, once again, is that we have so many Alabama guys that, that are legitimate contenders that all legitimately should receive consideration, that should receive votes. I'm just a skeptic when, in terms of how the Heisman is selected, in terms of how it all works, I'm a skeptic that voters who aren't, voters who don't have a natural proclivity to Alabama, and there's not many of those, there are a handful there, there's there's several people in Alabama who are journalists that have votes and and all those guys at ESPN have votes like a Reese Davis you know all, all you know a lot of people that work in college football have votes those people might put two Alabama players on their three-man ballot I just don't think your standard pac 12 big 12 big 10 or even ACC or group of five reporter or voter, I just don't believe those people are going to put more than one Alabama player on their ballot. And if they don't, then it's really going to split the vote up that that Mac or Devontae or even Najee would be getting. And someone like a Trevor Lawrence, who is very likely to be on everyone's ballot, first, second, or third, very likely he could in, end up sneaking in there and uh, and winning. I mean, that, that's what I that's what I worry about now. I'm worrying about it because I want Mac to win it so bad. I worry about it because I want Devontae to win it so bad. But that's my concern. It's not that Mac and Devontae or even Najee aren't deserving. It's that voters won't put two Alabama guys on the ballot. They'll put either Mac or Devontae or Najee and not all of them. Therefore, someone like Trevor will uh will win the Heisman because it's kind of hard to imagine Trevor not being on most everyone's ballot first second or third yeah and I think Trask I mean even though I think Trask should finish third I honestly think it should go Jones or Devontae or Devontae and then Jones and then Trask that's the way I think it should go um but I think you're right Trask now with these late two losses he's lost two in a row he's had some turnovers in these games um, he's made some big mistakes. He missed a wide open receiver for a touchdown in this game last night. I think that uh, people are sort of saying, you know, everybody talks about Devontae and, and Najee helping out Mac Jones. Well, Kadarius Tony damn sure made and, and Kyle Pitts damn sure made Trask look good too. I mean, oh, yeah. Trask, I mean, uh, Pitts made a catch that you know, there are very few wide receivers that can make. Devontae can make it. 
but not many other players can make it. Um, again, continuing with the theme of, of pretty random observations and, and questions, uh, I thought Devontae, if you wanted to vote for Devontae Smith for Heisman, I totally get it now. I mean, I, I got it anyway, but I, I get it because not only did he have a big game receiving, he set the single game mark of 15 catches in one game. He also had 170 whatever yards, maybe 80 yards uh, receiving with two touchdowns. Um, not only that, uh, he also recovered the fumble that Mechie caused, and he recovered the onside kick. I mean, he's just in the right place at the right time all the time. He's just – he's money. And uh, I, I think that that certainly if, – if somebody wanted to look at it from an all-purpose standpoint, I think you'd look at it and say, you know what, Devontae's just a, just a dude who's going to win you games. And people – I heard somebody, Ryan Leaf, I think it was, made the argument for Trevor Lawrence – in sort of a career award this year. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I know he missed a couple of games, but he's been so good over his whole career, which, by the way, that's not what it's supposed to be. But if you're going to look at it from that angle, then I think you need to say, okay, if you're using that logic, uh, Devontae Smith made a game-winning catch in in the national championship game as a true freshman. He also made one as a uh, true freshman against Mississippi State. He also burned the LSU defense two years in a row with two uh, future NFL stars at, at defensive back. So, I mean, I think there, there's – he also uh, torched Ole Miss for an absolute record day. Uh, if you want to look at it that way, I think it's Devontae's award to lose. I mean, the, uh, to me, the simple case for Devontae, uh, and it's a good case, is Alabama is the best team by everyone's measure. By everyone's measure, Alabama is the universal number one team. At the conclusion of the Heisman voting, Alabama was the best team. And Devontae Smith is the best player on that team. Uh, Mac is an awesome quarterback. He's deserving of a lot of quarterback awards. He's deserving of the Heisman Trophy, frankly. Uh, Najee Harris is deserving of, of, of the Doak Walker Award for best running back. He's going to be maybe the highest drafted running back in this draft, maybe. Uh, but who's the best player at Alabama? Who's the best football player on this team? I think it's Devontae Smith, and, and, and frankly, in my own mind, I don't think it's, it's arguable. I think Devontae has been the best player on this team this season, and that's why he should win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, as I say every year, and this year is no different, the thing about the Heisman that makes it so difficult is only one guy can win it, and there's always more than one deserving guy. I think all three of those Alabama players deserve it. I think Trevor Lawrence played uh, worthy of winning the Heisman Trophy. I think Trask basically did and uh zach wilson from byu I, I i think is deserving of some mention uh trask lost those games at the end i i don't know that it's 100 percent his fault he didn't play great against lsu it's not so much the alabama loss for me as the lsu loss as to why i think trask fell off at the end despite having a fantastic season and he, he's a really good player but mac is deserving Devontae is deserving Najee is deserving and as an alabama fan I really, really, really hope one of those guys wins it on January 5th. Let me tell everybody about Built Bar. BuiltBar.com is where you want to go for this just awesome, delicious goodness that you can get. Uh, you can find virtually and then purchase in reality. That's what's so great about it. I know you can do that with a lot of things, but just you know, roll with me here. Um, Built Bar is the place to go. It's delicious, covered in chocolate, uh, good for keto diets. 
It's uh, it tastes awesome. Eighteen flavors. Um, my favorite is carrot cake. I've said that a gazillion times. I will stand by that forever until eternity. As long as Built Bar continues to make that carrot cake bar, I'm in good shape. I will never go hungry. Um, you want to go check them out at builtbar.com. B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com, and use the promo code Locked On for twenty percent off. They've got all kind of good stuff there at builtbar.com too. But trust me on this, you want to go there and get that carrot cake built bar. Go get it. Tell them Luke sent you. I don't think it's going to do anything for you, but it couldn't hurt. I mean, who knows? It might do something for you. Maybe you would, you know, unlock some kind of code I don't know about. So let's just see if that works. Go to builtbar.com. Give them a chance. We do it for you. All right, Jimmy. Um, Patrick Sertan, he's brilliant. He's awesome. I, I've watched that play where they scored on that opening drive in the second half several times now, and I have no idea how he lost track of that ball, but he did. And um, it was just a play that he got burnt on. And meanwhile, interestingly enough, and, and maybe not coincidentally because Florida has some serious weapons, but interestingly enough, I thought it was Brian Branches and Malachi Moore's probably their worst game of the year, and it wasn't bad. It, it was just – uh, relative to their other games playing this year, I thought it was their worst games of the year. And so it says something for the defense to be able to play as well as it did against this high potent attack and have those three guys really not be on their A game, along with Josh Job, who had an inexplicable offsides. I mean, he was literally touching. At first, I thought it was a BS call. And then they showed it. He was literally touching Kadarius Tony. Yeah, Job's offsides was inexplicably bad. I mean, just a total mental breakdown of not understanding what was going on. I mean, like, dang, I mean, you didn't have to do – why did he line up? I mean, I, I, I thought he was – I actually thought he was offsides live. I mean, in terms of, like, as soon as the snap of the ball, I'm like, Job's offsides, and then boom. But here's – you know, early in the season – the middle of Alabama's secondary was was sort of bad. I mean, when the defense was struggling early in the year, it was really the safety spots, that nickel spot, any defensive back spot for Alabama other than the far corners because Sertan and Job had pretty much been really good all year. But it was those inside guys. But then Malachi developed into a great player. Brian Branch played more and more and more, developed into a really good player. Jordan Battle's always been fairly good anyway. Uh, and 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 it looked like that had been a really improved part of the team. I, I tend to think last night, Luke, it was just more of a matchup thing where Florida's very best players in their pass game line up inside. It, it's Kyle Pitts at tight end, and it's Kadarius Tony in the slot. I mean, those, those guys are constantly lining up in the middle of the field, forcing safety coverage on them. And they're just too good. They're just too good. And then when you combine it with Dan Mullen's uh, next-level offense and Kyle Trask being an outstanding quarterback, I think Malachi and Brian Branch and, and the safeties were just beaten by, by really good players. And I, I don't think it was substandard play like it was early this season. I think it was just more like, well, Pitts and Tony are going to beat everybody. So they just added us to the list of victims. And then not on top of that, uh, to, to add to that, I should say, uh, Dylan Moses played – his game kind of averaged out. He, I mean, he had some bad pass interferences. Actually, they but they weren't awful because they probably both would have been touchdowns if he doesn't do what he did. But it sort of showed a weakness in the coverage there. 
um, that I would think somebody like a Clemson could easily exploit with a Travis Etienne if, if Dylan Moses were to have to cover him coming out of the backfield. But um, but he did cause a couple of fumbles. Uh, now, I don't, I don't even remember if we got – no, I don't think we got either one of them, but he did a good job – uh with with some aspects the other aspects he was he just wouldn't I guess he wasn't up to what most people consider Dylan Moses expectations but overall I think his game kind of washed out and then though on the other side my god Will Anderson and Tim Smith um those dudes and Tim Smith was committed to Florida at one time I believe um my goodness gracious, those two dudes are going to be they're, – they're going to be trouble. They're going to be trouble for this league. Will Anderson, you could tell. I mean, all night long he was so close. He was so close. And then he started getting there, and he's a, he's a problem, man. He's a, he's a thing. I think uh, here's something I, I thought of, you know, when the game was over and realizing Dylan, I didn't think, played well despite a couple of good plays that were mixed in. I didn't think Dylan played well. And when I thought about – describing Dylan Moses' season? Like, how would you describe Dylan Moses' senior season? It's pretty much a great way to describe the state of Alabama's defense. It's like Dylan encapsulates that. And in every way, I'm going to describe Dylan. So I'm about to describe Dylan, and you, the listener, you think, okay, Jimmy's not describing Dylan. What I want you to think is I'm describing the state of Alabama's defense, okay? But, I'll, but what I'm really doing is describing Dylan's senior year, and that is very high expectations, a highly recruited kid, a fantastic athlete, a good kid, often out of position, often takes bad angles. I'm not sure he's instinctive. I think he's more athlete than instinctive linebacker. I question some of the coaching he's getting, and his coach is Pete Golding, which is applicable to the entire defense, as I'm saying. And while I think the criticism is, is fair, it's also over the top. I don't think Dylan Moses is a horrible linebacker, just like Alabama's defense is not horrible. That's crazy. Dylan's actually good, and Alabama's defense is good. But it's not what we're used to seeing, and it didn't. Dylan didn't play to expectations, and I don't know that he ever did in his in his career. To be frank, in terms of being kind of a six star recruit, and overall, any reasonable observer would say, boy, that Dylan Moe's a good player. He's a pro player. Just like any reasonable observer would say Alabama's defense is, is good or even really good, it's still not great, and it's not what we're used to seeing, and it needs to be better. Dylan needs to be better to have success at the next level, and our defense just needs to be better, period. So Dylan just sort of encapsulates the whole defense to me. No, I'm with you. And here's the good news. And we will talk about Notre Dame later in the week. We promise. But uh, we get to play a Notre Dame team that, frankly, I I know they beat Clemson the first time. uh, But I think we saw – I feel more inclined to say this Notre Dame that was beaten like a teenage picker yesterday is more the true Notre Dame. 
than the Notre Dame we saw win at home when Clemson was out several guys. And we all talked about how DJ Uyunglele played so well. Maybe they didn't, maybe it wasn't a big drop off from Trevor Lawrence. Well, I think the fact that Lawrence has wheels and Uyunglele doesn't, I think that was one of the big differences in the ball game. So uh, we'll talk about that later. How, I got to give a shout out to our boy Charlie Scott. That late punt he had, real awesome, awesome. Helped and, win the game. You know, he, he helped he, win the game. I'm hoping he gets some um, some kind of acknowledgement from the coaches. I mean, that's one of those things that's never. I mean, I guess we punted twice or something. I mean, so we he's not twice. Get a lot of credit for it. But man, that was that was badass. He helped win the game. He did. I mean, that's just a flat. He helped win the game. Well, we when it's a it's a one score game. We're playing against a really good team. I, I think Florida, by every measure, period, is certainly one of the ten. You start with the fact they're one of the ten best teams, and you move up from there. So Florida's really good, playing their best, trying to make up for their disaster last week. Uh, they're a good team, and it was a one score game. And in a one score game, it really can come down to one play. So you add up all the big plays that were made, each and every one of them uh, won the game for Alabama. And I would include definitely uh, Charlie's last punt. Uh, it, it, it flat out helped win the game. I thought it was great. I, th- I hope that he gets some recognition from the coaches for that. And also a big shout out to Will Reichert, who just doesn't miss anything. He doesn't miss school. He doesn't min- miss a vaccination. He doesn't miss a field goal. He doesn't miss uh, old girlfriends. He doesn't miss nothing. Um, and, I, you know, we have a chance. We really do. And, and this is – it sounds like arrogant Alabama fan in me talking, but this is true. We have a chance to win the Heisman, the Davey O'Brien, the, um, of course, the SEC championship we've already won, the national championship, the Dope Walker, the Bolitnikoff, the Kicker Award, Lou Groza Award, the, uh, the Joe Moore Award, um, SEC Offensive Player of the Year, um, I would say we have a shot at SEC Freshman of the Year with Malachi Moore. Now, I don't think he's going to win it, but he's got a shot. Um, this is going to be just one of those, you know, and LSU had arguably the best season in, in college football history last year, and I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but I'm thinking we're going to get pretty damn close to it with an 11-game SEC season so far, and then you play the number four team and potentially number two team in the country with the number one draft pick. Yeah, I feel pretty good that uh, this would be one of Alabama's greatest seasons of all time. Yeah, it's a shame that uh, COVID and this strange season where a 6-0 team is playing for the national championship, it's such a strange season that it makes it so hard to compare it to other years. But when you consider that Alabama's played more SEC games than anyone ever has and is setting all these records and having all these great individual seasons, it all adds up. This is, so far one of the best Alabama teams of all time. And uh, it's a huge statement. It's a loud statement. But I think what you just said proves all of that. And Alabama will be a big favorite against Notre Dame. Now, I'm going to take Notre Dame a little more serious than most of the fans will. And I don't mean that in the sense that I that I, I believe it will be a one-score game like the last one. But uh, I, 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 in my mind, Notre Dame is a better team than Florida, in my opinion. So I think it's – going to be a tough football game that Alabama is going to have to play really well in to win. I'm going to disagree with you wholeheartedly. I think Notre Dame is probably better on defense. I, I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. But the problem is I don't know that Notre Dame could keep up with 
with with Florida offensively. I mean, I really know. Yeah, I think Florida would be a tough matchup for them for that reason. But what I'm saying is, if Notre Dame and Florida both played the exact same schedule over ten games oh, okay. and they play the exact schedule, I think Notre Dame would have the same record or better. That's fair. All right, buddy, let's call this podcast today. We will come back and talk some more stuff. I mean, there's so much to talk about. We hadn't even gotten into all of this game. I'm still digesting it, Jimmy. Um, but we will talk a lot to digest. There's 100 freaking points. Yeah, we will talk more about it on the next podcast. And uh, everybody go check out betonline.ag, coreslight.com, and builtbar.com. And meanwhile, SEC champs, roll tide, Jimmy. Champions again, roll tide.